Welcome to the 28th episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. I'm your host, James Herrick, and today we're going to be taking a look at UFC Fight Night, Kelvin Gastelum versus Robert Whitaker. And then afterwards, we're going to be talking about the Jake Paul versus Ben Askren fight, but I'm not going to go in depth on that. I just have a couple of quick things I want to say. So if you're looking for a big breakdown on Ben Askren versus Jake Paul, this is not the place to be. I'm going to give a couple of general thoughts about that. And we didn't really have much for other news in the UFC, so we don't have anything for that. And we're going to end off by discussing UFC 261, Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. We also have two other title fights on that card, so we're going to be discussing that. And overall, it should be a relatively short podcast this week. I mean, there isn't too much to talk about, so I'm not going to I'm not going to find, you know, uninteresting things to talk about. We're just going to talk about the important stuff here. And before we get started, make sure you go and follow my other social medias. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. And if not, make sure make sure to like. And go follow me on Twitter and TikTok. I'm very interactive on both of those platforms. So if you ever have a question, that is the place to reach me, Twitter or TikTok. I post videos on TikTok and post a lot of MMA-related content on Twitter. So if you like this podcast, you should be interested in those. And uh, that is all I have to say for that, and let's get started. So Robert Whitaker's performance against Kelvin Gastelum was a great performance, and he proved once again that he is the best 185-pounder on the planet that is not named Israel Adesanya. And he may be better than Izzy, but let's not get a hold too ahead of ourselves here. But in this fight, he was very diverse, and he didn't he didn't just rely on his striking. He also used a great a great sense of wrestling in this fight. He got a takedown on Kelvin Gastelum, and he controlled this whole entire fight. And Kelvin Gastelum's a tough fight for everybody. So not only to control this fight, but also have the advantages on the ground. That is very impressive by Robert Whitaker because Kelvin is a great wrestler. So the things that really stood out to me for Robert Whitaker's performance in this fight were his striking, yes. Uh, the wrestling, yes. But more specifically in the striking realm, we saw him. He always has great combos. He throws that um, one, two with a head kick, or sometimes it's just a one, then head kick. Sometimes it's just a two, then a head kick. But he throws that combo very well, and he gets opponents leaning into that head kick. He did land that in the second round, or was it the first round? It was early in the fight. He landed that head kick on Kelvin Gastelum and almost put him away early. But Kelvin Gastelum did have the durability to hold through all five rounds, which was very impressive because Robert Whitaker looked great. And Rob did a great job of striking from weird angles and weird times. Rob will attempt strikes from angles and positions that most guys don't, and it catches his opponents off guard. I think that can be seen. He threw a head kick, and then he followed uh, with a left hook uh, in, in one of those exchanges. So most guys don't follow with that left hook after a head kick, and he threw that left hook afterwards and landed cleanly. So his use of angles and his use of unorthodox timing really allows him to find many openings on the feet to land strikes. And I think that is the most impressive aspect of his striking abilities. Like I said, he mixed in the ground game so well that in this next fight against Izzy, which we are going to be seeing that fight, I'm quite sure. 
everyone is pretty much in agreement that Whitaker has deserved that title shot and has earned it. So in that next fight with Izzy, that balanced attack is going to be crucial to winning that fight because we saw what he did in the last fight didn't work. He didn't win that fight, and uh, it was it was. It was a close back and forth for a minute of that fight, uh, for a little bit of that fight, and then Izzy eventually pulled the head, pulled the head in the end of the first round and eventually won in the second round. But I think that Robert Whitaker, Robert Whitaker can make this a far more compelling, interesting, competitive fight by using a more balanced approach than he did in the first fight. And I think that's something that we'll see in the second fight. And I don't know if I'm ready to predict that Whitaker can go out and win that fight, but I think that he has shown that it's going to be it's going to be a much better fight, and he does have a chance. I wouldn't count Whitaker out of that rematch, but we're going to discuss that more in depth. Obviously, when that comes around, um, there's no sense in getting too far ahead of too far ahead of ourselves right now. But I think it's pretty clear that Whitaker earned that shot. I mean, he beats Till Cannonier and Gastelum after being the champ before that. So that's a pretty, that's, if you look at that rankings wise, that's like, um, in the rankings, that would be four, six, and eight. That's a pretty impressive. The only other person that you could make a case for is Marvin Vittori. And Marvin Vittori has wins against seven and 12 in the rankings. So, in all honesty, this has to go to Whitaker, and I think Vittori realized that um, he was there, and he didn't, he pretty much succeed, he pretty much, you know, just accepted the fact that that title shot was going to go to Whitaker. I think that could have been an interesting situation if Gaslam would have won, and that would have created a mess in the division, because we'd be in a situation where Kelvin would have beat Rob, Rob would have beat Till. And everyone would have had a win against each other, and it would have been a mess. But with Whitaker winning this fight, we have a clear number one contender, which is great for Izzy, and I think that fight will be booked soon. And um, for Gaslam, I think the right step for Gaslam is the winner of Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. That's going to be taking place on Saturday. Usually I'm not big on matching winners with losers, uh, usually you want to go winner-winner or loser-loser. But in this situation, I think we can make an exception. Um, I think Gaslam needs to stay in the top 10, 12 range of that 185-pound division. I think he's one of those top guys. And I think really going down any further than that, it would be risky because um, I think Calvin would be able to get a, a pretty big win there. And I think Calvin is back. I mean, he did. he didn't look... He didn't look too bad in this fight, despite the fact that he... This was a situation where Kelvin didn't look bad. Rob just looked so good. Um, I don't think there's anything major um, negative that we saw from Kelvin. You know, this wasn't a performance like Kevin Holland, where we were critiquing his wrestling after the fact. This was a situation where we were praising Rob. And I think that that just shows how, t- how talented Kelvin is as a fighter, and I think we should keep him in there with some of those talented guys. So I think the winner of Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman would be a good next step for uh, both guys that would be taking that fight. And now, since we had the answer, this was always, this fight here, Whitaker versus Gastelum, it always raised questions as to what was happening in the 185-pound division. 
Last week, we had, um, I was kind of throwing around a lot of ifs and buts, you know. It's hard to match make with um, with the number one guy being being booked to fight. Now that we have the answer with Robert Whitaker winning, we can book some of these other guys in fights here. So we have Robert Whitaker, obviously. Uh, I said that we he should fight Izzy next, and I think everyone's in agreement on that. And then moving down, we have Paulo. And I think the next uh, logical fight for Paulo is Marvin Vittori. I think that Vittori has done good work, and he has proven that he deserves uh, a big opportunity, whether that's obviously not going to be a title shot because that goes to Rob. But I think that he has shown that he deserves a big opportunity in this division. And I think that that Paulo Costa fight is going to be that big opportunity for him. And then... That would also, for Paulo, that would also, you know, get him back on track to having a title shot if he wins that after this Whitaker fight. Whitaker versus Israel. And then we have Jared Cannonier, who I think they should match him up with Darren Till. I mean, Till is out with a broken collarbone. Cannonier has been out with a broken arm. So I think once we get both of these guys fully healthy, I think this would be a good return fight for both of them. Um... Put the guy coming off an injury, match them both up against each other. That way, um, you don't have any, you know, it's kind of both of these guys have taken time off. I don't know if their timetable for return is going to, you know, work out that perfectly for them to fight each other. But if it does work out that way and we can have Till versus um Till versus Cannoneer, I think that would be a great fight for both of them. And then that would be put them maybe one win away from a title shot. And I know that Izzy wants to fight both of those guys. He did call out Jared Cannonier, and then Cannonier lost to Whitaker. Till lost to Whitaker as well. So uh, Izzy wants to fight both those guys. He was interested in both those guys. Getting getting them up against each other guarantees you a win um, for someone that can uh, be very marketable as a new fresh face to fight Izzy. So that's good. The only guy that the situation kind of screws over a little bit is Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson, um, if something happens where Cannoneer is ready to return a lot sooner than Till, then you could put you could put Cannoneer uh, in there with Brunson. I think that would make sense, and that would be a good fight for both of them as well. But like I said, that would be a second option if it takes Till a lot longer to return than Cannoneer, which is a possibility considering the fact that. Cannonier broke his arm last year and Till just broke his collarbone a couple weeks ago. Um, obviously, you can't be too sure with injuries and how those heal. But if not, I'd also like Brunson versus Hermanson would be a really fun match, in my opinion. And I think that would be a good match to make if Brunson can go out, or if, excuse me, if Hermanson can go out there and beat Edmund Shabazian. Uh, that fight's coming up here in a month, month and a half, two months in that range. So if if Shabazian can go out there and get a, or excuse me, if if Hermanson can go out there and beat Shabazian, I think that would be the fight to make for Bronson, and I think that would be an interesting fight. Um, that's all the matchmaking for 185, and there really wasn't much that happened on this card other than the main event. Uh, we had some interesting fights. We had Andre Arlovsky got a good win. A couple other things. But the big thing that stood out to me on the main card outside of the main event was Tracy Cortez. Cortez is being hyped as a very strong 
a prospect here in in uh, the female 115 pound division, and I think that I think that she showed both potential and weaknesses. She didn't look great on the feet. She got she got leg kicked a decent amount, and it looked like her leg wasn't that stable at the end of the fight. I'm sure that was just like a nerve and swelling type deal, and I don't think it's any permanent damage. But she did absorb a lot of leg kicks, and she got touched up a couple times. Um, her opponent landed a big right hand there. So there were some holes in her striking, but her grappling looked very good. Um, on the ground, she had a lot of a lot of ground control in the first round, and she wasn't just laying and praying. She landed some good very good strikes. She eventually got into a body triangle, was attacking a rear naked choke. She obviously didn't get the rear naked choke, but we saw her advanced positions, land ground and pound, did very good things on the ground, and she's a very, very good grappler. So I'm excited to see what Tracy Cortez can do in the future. I don't want her to be rushed too fast because she does have obvious holes on the feet. And if someone can has a really good takedown defense and is a good striker, they can win that match. But I think that Cortez has a lot of room to grow. I don't think she's even close to peaked. And that's the word I used earlier was potential, and she definitely has potential. Anyone with the strong wrestling base, if you can flush out the, the striking aspect of the game, you have potential to be very good in MMA. And Cortez has half of that equation figured out. So if she can figure out the other half, then like Mackenzie Dern did, Mackenzie Dern obviously doesn't have that elite level striking, but she her striking is more than passable at an MMA level considering her jiu-jitsu. So if Tracy Cortez can go out there and get some good striking and take a similar career path as Mackenzie Dern, then she has a lot of potential um, like I said, don't rush her. She doesn't. She doesn't uh, need someone in the top fifteen right now. Give her an, another unranked name, and we'll see how she progresses here uh, throughout the rest of the year. Like I said, there wasn't much to talk about on this uh, fight night card. It just wasn't the best uh, card. We had some. It was. It was a light card, and then we had the co-main get canceled. Um, in that, it's hard to say what should happen. Um, if you aren't aware, Jeremy Stevens pushed Drakkar close at the weigh-ins, and he basically got whiplash from the push and could not fight. A lot of people are saying, you know, Drakkar close was faking it. Um, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. Drakkar close. This was also another important note in this situation was it was directly after weigh-ins, so you know. Drakkar Close is re they're dehydrated, and he hasn't yet rehydrated, so that makes you more vulnerable to injuries at that time. So, you know, that makes the that would aggravate an injury much worse being in that state rather than being fully hydrated. So I think that's something to keep in mind, um, and I think they need to reschedule that fight ASAP. Um, that's a nice fight that needs to happen. It doesn't sound like Steve, or it doesn't sound like Drakkar Close you know, um, got any significant damage, but I think this should be a lesson that don't, let's not get in scraps at weigh-ins. You know, it's a face-off and they got in each other's face and then Jeremy pushes them. You don't have to do that. You're going to fight him the next day. You know, you push him on Friday. Don't push him on Friday and fight him on Saturday. You, instead, you pushed him on Friday and we didn't get the fight on Saturday. 
So I think this is just uh, one of those things where we need to be more care- careful. And I'm not trying to single out Jeremy because plenty of guys have, you know, shoved their opponents in the past and we haven't seen something like this uh, as of recently. I'm sure it's happened before in MMA, but this is this is the only time it's happened within the last two years or so. And this was a co-main event on in, in with a with a very good um, headliner. So getting this co-main scrapped really hurt the card. And I think that's just something that we should try and stop moving forward. I don't think Jeremy should be fined. Um, he essentially got fined because he didn't get to fight. So he didn't get his show money. I doubt he got his show money. He didn't get the opportunity to win, get his win money. He didn't get the opportunity for a fight of the night bonus. So... I think that's enough punishment is just not having the opportunities. You got that taken away from you. I think that is enough of a punishment. So don't punish, punish Jeremy. We should learn, use this as a lesson to other fighters is, hey, keep it cool till you step in the ring. Just something to think about. And then the other piece of big news was Ben Askren versus Jake Paul. If you didn't see Jake Paul won via knockout in the first round, he faked a jabbed to the body, and then landed a big overhand right, put Ben down. I'm not going to get too in-depth in this fight because we have people debating the stoppage. We have people saying, was it fixed? I mean, I'm not going to throw around conspiracy theories here. I don't see. I don't feel like Ben Askren would be the type of guy to, you know, throw a fight. That's never. That doesn't seem like something Ben Askren would do. And... Um, I'm not going to debate if it was an early stoppage, and that's because I don't watch boxing like that. If this was an MMA fight and it was an early stoppage, I'd give you, I'll, I'd give you my opinion. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm some boxing expert. This is an MMA podcast, not a combat sports podcast, MMA podcast. So I'm only going to talk about what I know because it's not fair to you guys for me to just come on here and talk reckless about boxing when I, when I have, you know baseline at my boxing knowledge has come through the sport of MMA so take that with what you will I'm not going to sit here and talk about boxing one thing that I do think is we need to stop having MMA fighters go into a boxing ring and box if you want to fight an MMA fighter come into MMA and fight him um if you want to you know if you want to box someone box a boxer in a boxing ring if you want to fight someone in an MMA fight have an MMA fighter fight an MMA fighter in in a in an octagon you know, that's just all that I have to say on that. And an interesting note here is Jake Paul is one of the biggest pay-per-view draws in combat sports right now, whether you like it or not. Um, whether he deserves it or not, he is. We And here's how I judge this is because many of my friends know that I am a big combat sports fan. So when I have people reach out to me on a fight, that's when I kind of, when I have casual friends reach out to me on a fight. I have other friends that do like MMA, and they ask me about fights, and I talk to them about fights, and they're in the know of MMA. I'd consider them um, hardcore fans, but I have casual fans as well that I know, and I can tell you how big a fight is going to be by how interested those people are that are kind of outside of the ring of combat sports. This year... I've had two instances where people outside of the combat sports community have come to me and asked me about a fight. First fight, Conor McGregor versus versus Dustin Poirier, asking me about Conor. Then this fight, I've had a couple people ask me 
about uh, the Jake Paul versus Ben Askren fight. That's how I know when, when I can judge a fight. You know, the Izzy fight was not at the same level in terms of pay-per-view, in my opinion. We had some some casual interest, not a lot, but Jake Paul gets more casual interest than probably any fighter, or not any fighter, any fighter other than Conor McGregor. Uh, as of right now, it looks like that fight on Saturday is going to be bigger than tonight's three, or next week's three title fights headlined by Usman versus Masvidal, and Masvidal is the supposedly, you know, guy who the casuals look at as a big pay-per-view star and I don't and by the way I'm not saying that Jake Paul deserves this or that he's earned this I'm just telling you what what is from my knowledge in terms of pay-per-view draw it looks like Jake Paul is the biggest draw right now that's not named Conor McGregor now what is next for Jake Paul Um, I'm not going to sit here and speculate too much give him someone who knows how to box don't put him in there with an amateur box or an amateur boxer actually would be great. I think Ben Askren is less than amateur level boxing. And that's not saying that is a dig on Askren. I think Askren would agree with me on that. And I love Ben, so I'm not sitting here trying to trash Ben. That's not what I'm doing. But Ben is famous because of his wrestling abilities, not his boxing abilities. So that's all you need to that's all you need to know about his boxing abilities. Put him in there, put Jake Paul in there with someone that knows how to box and is a good boxer. And then if he can beat them, he will have the respect that he wants from the boxing community. Go beat someone who knows how to box and we will we will um we'll we'll give you the respect you want if you can beat a real boxer. Um so I'm from here on out, just a disclaimer, I'm not going to talk about Jake Paul again until a fight is signed and only if it's against another MMA fighter. Um, I'll, I'll talk about it briefly. This is the most you're going to hear me talk about Jake Paul for the rest of, for a long time. I'm not going to bring you the news when, oh, hey, so-and-so called out Jake Paul, you know, because there's going to be loads of MMA fighters who are calling out Jake Paul. We've seen it already. You know, there's 150 MMA fighters raising their hands saying, Ooh, I'll fight Jake Paul. Of course you will. Everyone knows. Any majority, I shouldn't say any, majority of big-time fighters will take that fight against Jake Paul because they, they're they so incredibly confident they can win. And it's an easy payday, and I don't blame them. But I'm not going to sit here and report to you as to who wants to fight Jake Paul next, you know. You can find that on Twitter. I'm not going to sit here and talk about it because at the end of the day, until something is signed and announced, it doesn't matter because last time building up to this fight, Ben was supposed to, or excuse me, Jake was supposed to, you know, fight Dylan Danis. Then there were big talks about him fighting Michael Bisbing. Then Ben Askren's name got thrown in the mix. Then um, someone else got thrown in the mix. Uriah Hall was talking about it on Twitter. So I'm not going to sit here and break down every time someone wants to fight Jake Paul. But when it, like I said, when it's signed, I'll talk about it. And then when it happens, I'll maybe talk about it. So just a disclaimer there. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about this week was UFC 261. A big fight card headlined by Masvidal versus Usman. In this fight, I'm taking Usman. I think that... 
Usman has only improved since their first fight, and I think it's going to be more competitive than the first fight, but I think the improvements we've seen from Kamaru on the feet, combined with the fact that he's going to have a large advantage in the clinch like he did last time, and he can get takedowns. Um, he, I don't think he got very many takedowns in the first fight, but if he he was in the first fight, he was content with staying in the clinch because Masvidal couldn't get his back off the cage. So I think if Masvidal can get his back off the cage a little bit, we're going to see some more takedown attempts. But Kamaru is a far improved striker. I think that Jorge still has the advantages on the feet, but Kamaru is far improved and will be able to hang with Jorge a lot more on the feet. So I still think Kamara wins. I think Kamara is going to get a unanimous decision victory, relatively dominant. So that's my prediction on that fight. And I don't think there is too much to see here. Not a lot of MMA fans that I've seen are too excited for this matchup. I think Leon's um, a more compelling matchup with Usman. I think Colby's a more compelling matchup with Usman. Wonderboy, to an extent, is a more compelling matchup than for Usman. So, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens here. Like I said, I've got Usman by unanimous decision, and hopefully he stays active because there is a line of challengers looking to fight Kamaru Usman at 170 pounds. The co-main event is Weili Zhang versus uh, Rosanami Yunus. Don't know why it took me so long to think of Rosanami Yunus, but yes, we have Weili Zhang versus Rosanami Yunus. This fight for me is going to be the closest fight out of the three title fights that we're seeing on this card. This one, right now, I'm leaning Wei Li, but um, Rose does have a legit chance here. In my opinion, this is a toss-up 50-50 right now and who I'm going to pick, and I'm leaning Wei Li. Um, I'm going to watch more tape on this uh, throughout the week, and I'll have a more educated prediction later in the week but right now I'm leaning way Lee I think she has more power in her hands and she's a very very good technical striker with good grappling um but like I said I'm gonna re I'm gonna watch some tape and I might I might switch up on that prediction I'll plug the TikTok once again go to the TikTok at head kick kale podcast because on Thursday I'll be posting my official prediction for Shevchenko versus Andrade Friday will be way Lee versus Rose and Saturday you'll see the prediction for Usman versus Masvidal you're seeing a little a little um a little look ahead here but I go more in depth in the one minute TikTok um a little bit more in depth in the X's and O's department of the fight okay in the last title fight Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andraj I've got Valentina in this one, once again, relatively, I think it's going to be relatively dominant, and I think that Valentina is going to get a unanimous decision here. Valentina is, in my opinion, the second best female fighter in the world, behind only Amanda Nunes, and I think that on the feet, Shevchenko has is going to have a big advantage here. I think that... Valentina is so technically strong that she's going to be able to utilize the size disadvantage in this fight and come out on top. Um, 
Andrade is powerful. She does have a chance. Um, she's got very good power for females. Um, so especially at female 125, she might be the hardest hitter. Valentina does have knockout power as well. We saw her knock out Jessica I with a head kick. Shout out. Um, hopefully Valentina gets another head kick. We've been on a streak here, and we haven't seen a head kick KO in a minute. So Valentina can go out there and get another head kick KO and get one against Jessica Andrade. That'd make my day. You know, Scratch that. If we can get a head kick KO, that'd be awesome. If You know what? If we get... A, if we get a head kick KO on Saturday, I'll uh, I'll Venmo someone fifteen bucks or something. If we get a head kick KO, if we get a head kick KO, if you're watching right now, if you comment your Venmo on the YouTube, I will give you I'll Venmo you fifteen bucks if we get a head kick KO on Saturday. So, drop your Venmo in the comments. And you, but you have to be subscribed. Subscribe, drop the Venmo in the comments. We get a head kick KO, fifteen bucks to the the top comment with uh, with their Venmo. Like I said, you have to be subscribed. Didn't plan on doing that, but you know what? Let's spice it up. Um, uh, like I said, didn't plan on that, but um, might as well. Uh, the other, we have some a uh, couple other big fights on this card: Chris Weidman versus Uriah Hall. This fight has been long in the making since they. this is actually the rematch. They fought once before they were both in the UFC. This is interesting to me. Um, this is like your classic grappler versus striker matchup. Um, I'm leaning your eye hall in this. I think that he has... This This fight's such a toss-up. because. But I'm leaning your eye hall. My gut is telling me Uriah Hall. Hey, maybe Uriah Hall will be the one to get that head kick KO. You never know. Um, yeah, so I'm in Uriah Hall. I think he's going to be able to control the fight while it's on the feet and do some damage on the feet. And we'll see if he can stop a Chris Weidman takedown. If he can't stop a Chris Weidman takedown, it's going to be a long night for him. But I think he will be able to stop enough takedowns to win this fight. The last big fight on this card is Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crute. Well, I shouldn't say the last big fight. The last fight on the main card is Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crute. This is the first big test we're going to see. I shouldn't say the first big test. Another big test for Jimmy Crute. He is a top prospect in the UFC. Most people look at him as the brightest prospect at uh, the 205-pound weight class. Is that my opinion? Mm, maybe. I think he might be the best prospect at light heavyweight. He might not be. Um, I lean Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill is from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. So if I had to put a name on the top prospect at 205 pounds, give me Jamal Hill. But uh, Jimmy Crute is still very young, very promising. So um, he's. I'll, I'll give him number two slot. I can't... I can't uh, can't switch up on Jamal Hill, um, so we'll give we'll give Jimmy Crute number two, riding with my guy Jamal Hill until uh, until someone can prove otherwise. But I think Jimmy Crute is this is a this is a tough one to call because we have Anthony Smith with so much experience and so much skill versus Jimmy Crute, the up and comer. This is another toss up. This main card is great because there's there's the two fights that aren't. Um, 
The two fights that aren't title fights are two very interesting fights that I think are going to be really close. I, I'm leaning towards Jimmy Crute here. But by no by no means would I be surprised if Anthony Smith goes out there and gets a win. But if I was forced to bet, I'm putting money on Jimmy Crew. If I was forced to bet. That's just my instinct. And um, I think that Jimmy is very talented and will um and will surprise some people here in the future. The other notable fights on this card, we have Cowboy Oliveira, uh, a a UFC a longtime UFC fighter, versus Randy Brown. That should be a fun one. Carl Rout, Carl uh, Roberson, Tristan Connolly, Pat Sabanti. You know we have some fun fights. Kevin Navidad. You know, I think these we we're, we're gonna have some potential for some fun some fun fights here. Um, out on the prelims but the main card is a very strong main card and hopefully the prelims are fun that's all you can really expect from prelims that don't have top top prospects on them you know there's different there's different types of prelim fights there's the fights that you want to be fun fights and i think we have a lot of those fun fights and there's other prelims fights that have top prospects with big potential i think this is the first the first section where we should see a lot of fun prelim fights and i'm hoping that's what we get We've been going for 30 minutes, so we're going to, and that's pretty long. I'm happy about that, considering we didn't have too much to talk about here. But, you know, like I said, if you're watching on YouTube, comment your Venmo and subscribe if you want to be a part of the little little head KO uh, $15 Venmo um, contest type dealio. If, um... And make sure you go to the my Twitter, which is Pod. Follow me on there. Interact with me there. Ask me questions. If you have a good question, I will put it on the pod, and I'll answer it here. If it's just a quick question, I will answer it on Twitter. Follow me on TikTok for a mix of content. It's a lot of fight predictions, and I do some other things like initial reactions, things like that. A lot of good content over on the TikTok like I said, and wherever you are watching, thank you for watching. And we will be back next week with another episode of the Head Kick KO podcast.